So last week, um, if you weren't here, we had seven students that we celebrated because these students chose to walk 50 miles in one day to bring awareness to, and raise funds for um, human trafficking and anti-human trafficking. And uh, amazing. They had a goal to, um, to walk the 50 miles, and almost every one of them did. Um, one, Joy, said I was, my goal was 30 miles, and I went 45. You saw them last week if you were here. They did it, and they, it took them, hold on a second, what was it? 18 hours? It was 18 hours that they went, um, and they hobbled up here. They hobbled up here last Sunday. I was so proud of them to do that. And it goes to show us that, man, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're young or you're old, you can do something to change the world, right? This is interactive time with Joe, ready? Interactive time with Joe. So when I say right, I need at least one person, Miriam, to say left, all right? So, all right. So no matter what age you are, young or old, you can make a difference in the world, right? Perfect. So here's the thing. I, I... they were, had a goal of 50 miles. They hit that. They also had a financial goal of $5,000 to raise. Well, how did they do? I need to find out. Because, let me just tell you, I've got it here, but there's a little something that came in the last service. I need to add it. Um, do you guys know that I'm not great at math? And so, oh my goodness. All right, cool. So on Facebook, they created a fundraiser. And last week, we knew about what they had raised. So out of their $5,000 goal on Facebook, they raised $2,718, so a little over half. Then last week, they hobbled up here, and you guys were like, whoa, and you guys were, had an opportunity to give to them. Last week, $1,750 came in, and so that brought them to a grand total of $4,468, Still not there yet. But that's not all. There was also gifts made directly to Provision Lab, which is the ministry we started um, a few years ago. And um, that total was $906. And so they have raised $5,374. Is anybody excited? Wait, don't stop. No, 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 no. Because that's not all. We got a little bit more in the first service. And so the new total is this. And I know Noah's around here somewhere. You ready for this, Abby? They're, they're, they're the masterminds back there. $5,624 is the total right now. So now let's give it up. <laughs> and they're planning. Some of you guys are like wanting to walk with them um, on their next one. They're, they're thinking about starting um, having another one in the spring. Not sure if it'll be 50 miles. That was a lot, but it'll be something where we can ha- even have more people involved. Um, super cool to see that. I don't know, but like the week, like two weeks before the walk, I think they had like $700. And now they hit their goal, and I'm proud of those guys. <laughs> they had $200 a couple weeks before. So even, even crazier the way it gets. So um, what an awesome thing. Um, I needed to report on that, right? Because you got to know, like, what happened? Did they make their goal? Super cool. Well, I don't know um, how many of you know my story, but here's a little bit of it. When I was little, I used to draw all the time. 
And having the arts here and celebrating the arts with the, the Ballet 5-8 folks here yesterday and then having all this artwork up here in the gallery and then the hallway back there. If you haven't snuck back to the hallway, there's more back there. Like it connects with me like in a cool way because of the kind of how I like lived my life when I was a kid. Like I drew all the time. Like I would just draw stuff. I had this picture dictionary. I was little. Don't make fun of me. I had like a nerdy picture dictionary that I would look through and find like all the cool cars and tanks and stuff and I would draw them from those pictures. And it was super cool. I used to, like I remember drawing like a Fruit Loops box, you know, one time. I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like I drew that. Like I would just draw anything that I could find. And like as I was growing up, I, I kind of realized that um, I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And so I started to dream about things that I could do with this. And my dad was, was pretty much a realist. And he's like, you know, you got to figure out how to make some money. Because I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's this thing called a starving artist. And you don't want to be a starving artist. You need to have some way to be productive and actually make some money. So I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking about all the different ways that I could draw but also make money. I'm like, I know. I'm going to be an animator for Disney. That's going to be what I'm going to do. Keep the bar low, right? So I'm like, man, researching, trying to figure it out. My uncle was, uh, uh, he was uh, an illustrator. He, he drew uh, theme park attractions, like, like uh, elevations of like buildings and stuff um, for Silver Dollar City in Branson, if you guys have been there. And I love that. Like he, was, he had such cool artwork that he would draw. And he, would, he wasn't, he, was, he married into our family. So I didn't have any of his creative blood flowing through my body. But he was an encouragement to me. Like you can still be creative and you can still, you know, actually be productive and, and not be starving. And so I was thinking about that. He had researched how to become a, a cartoonist in a newspaper, like a, a, a comic strip. And then I was like, you know what would be really cool after I kind of left the Disney dream behind, because that didn't happen. I was like, I know, I could draw comic books. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I would love to draw superheroes. And my kids have even, like, found the books that I bought when I was in junior high. How to draw a superhero, you know, like by Stan Lee. It was like, awesome. So it would draw these guys. That never happened. And so I kept going, and I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? It got to the point where I needed to figure out what I was going to do for college. I'm like, I know. I can draw buildings. I can be an architect. That'll be perfect. I can draw buildings all day. And I was like, that's cool. That didn't happen. And, and I learned about this thing called design, and it was like this cool thing where, I mean, I don't just have to draw buildings. I can draw lots of different things. That would be cool. And then I had a choice to make because the, the school I went to, they said, you got to pick between product design so you can like draw and like design like coffee makers and toasters and I don't know, things like that. And then you could also do communication design, which would be, you know, graphic design, branding, that kind of thing. Or you could do photography. And so I had to like, all right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I ended up choosing communication design and I, I thought, you know what? There's not a lot of, like, I, I knew that God was, was moving in my heart. And I was like, there's not a lot of, like, Christian toasters, you know? I was like, I'm not sure how I could use my faith to make toasters. I know it's possible, but I just didn't see it at the time, right? And then I was like, you know, I don't know. Photography's cool. That still feels a little artsy. So I went with communication design. And every week, I went to a secular college. Every week, I used my degree because I designed communication to figure out how do we all learn together and how do we live out our faith every week. Is that kind of cool how God does that? But all along, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm here, but I did not think that I was going to be standing 
in this empty space up here last week, but now I'm here. But I mean, years ago, I never thought, oh, I'm going to just be like speaking every week to a bunch of people and figure out how to live for God. That was not on the radar at all. And so here I am. And God's put a passion in me. He's put a passion in me to, to communicate. I couldn't always talk in front of people, but God somehow has worked in my life in such a way that I can actually get a couple of words out that might be helpful, maybe just to me, but maybe you guys are kind enough to come and we can do something together and make something happen. Maybe you're the same way. Maybe, maybe you experience something similar, where you are growing up, you're little, and you're like, man, I, maybe you're a guy, you're like, I'm going to be a fireman, or maybe you're a little girl, and you're like, I'm going to be a, a police officer, and I'm going to do this, and that doesn't happen, Right? You have these dreams of like the thing that you want to do with your life. You want to do this amazing thing. I want to be a doctor. Maybe that didn't happen. Or you're, you're a mom and you're like, you know what? I want to be able to be at home with my kids and I want to be able to raise my kids at home. And you're working all the time. You're full-time working and you're not with your kids the way you thought you would be. Didn't turn out the way you thought. Or maybe you're a mom and you're like, you know what? I'm going to have a career and I'm going to see, like, be able to do, make a difference that way. And, and you're not. You're at home with your kids and you're like, my goodness, what is going on? Like, I, I didn't expect this. Or maybe you're a college student and you're like, you know what? Um, I am going to major in this major. And now as you get through it, you're like, second, or end of first semester of freshman year, you're like, I think I might need to change my major. I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. Maybe you're like just graduated college and you're like, I need to go back again because this is not what I wanted to do. I don't know. I've, I know all different types of those people in my life. And I think for me, the, the question is, um, you know, how do we identify ourselves? And the way we identify ourselves primarily is what? Like you say, you know what? Hey, so what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. You know what? I'm a painter. Uh, I'm a marketing specialist, or whatever title you have. Like, it's super fancy, I'm sure. But, you know, like all these things that we, we immediately, we throw down our identity is what we do. Right? And what's great about that is that, well, it kind of identifies what we do, but I also don't know if it really gets at what's really going on in our heart. Because it's not what we maybe we wanted to do. It's just what we're doing. And it, we kind of have this identity struggle. And it's interesting, and there's good news, because Nehemiah, we're in this series called Change Your World in 52 Days. We're going, stepping through Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah 1 again. And I'm not so sure that maybe Nehemiah had an identity crisis. And so what I want you to do is I want us to look at uh, God's word again, Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to go back to that prayer that we read, and we're going to see if we can see what Nehemiah was struggling with or if there was confusion there. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word, and thank you that, Lord, this is a moment for us to step aside and allow you to speak to us. And so, Lord, we just ask that your spirit would move. It's moving. Lord, help us to be sensitive and open just as that song, let our mind be open, Lord God, our heart be open, Lord God, that you would speak to us in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. So Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5 through 11. And we're just going to cruise through just a little bit. We read this passage last week. This is Nehemiah's prayer when he prayed differently. And we're gonna, we rewrote it last week, and we're going to look at it again. Let's just start reading in verse 5. It says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying. Stop right there. Nehemiah has just identified himself. And how does he identify himself? He identifies himself as a servant. Look at, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant. So Nehemiah, at this moment, he is beginning his prayer by saying, hear me, God, I am your servant. Fair? Let's keep reading. All right, and he continues. Verse 6 still. Let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Same verse. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my family. Right there, he identifies himself a second time. And how does he identify himself? He's a sinner. But he just said that he's a servant of God. And now he says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself. Hmm. He's saying that he's a servant first and foremost to God, but then he says he's a sinner. So now what is going on, Nehemiah? I think you might be confused. If you skip down to verse 11, It says this, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant. He bookends, he wraps his prayer in his true identity. He says, God, hear my prayer. I'm a servant of yours. I have sinned. And if you want to look at it, um, in verse 7, he says, we have acted wickedly toward you. Like, he's just not like this, like, oh, you know what? little white lie. We've acted wickedly toward you. And then he says, but at the end, he says, but this is your servant that's praying. I need you to know that this is your servant. So what he does is he, he bookends it. And it's so crazy to me because he says that he's a servant, but he, in, in my church world, like this does not compute. Like when you're a servant of God, you don't sin. You don't, you don't sin. No. Like, are you kidding me right now? This, we, we either are one or the other. And, and then at the end, he, he says this, this thing. He goes, um, by the way, it doesn't say by the way. He just says, I was a cupbearer to the king. Hmm. Ah, I was a cupbearer to the king. Yet another identity, right? The very thing that he does for a living, which is to be a glorified butler to the king, taste the king's drinks before the king tastes them to check for what? Poison. Anybody want to apply for that job? He keeps that to the end of the conversation with God. He says, first, I'm a servant. Second, let me tell you, I'm a sinner. Second, third, let me tell you, I'm a servant. And by the way, I'm a cupbearer to the king. When we're having a conversation, hey, so, um, so what do you do? I'm an IT guy. Oh, okay, cool. Like, what do you do? Oh, you do music? Awesome. Awesome. 
What do you do? Oh, you're, you're a tech guy too? Cool. Yep. Carpenter, nurse. Got it. What are we doing first and foremost with each other? What do we do? I'm a cupbearer to the king. That's what I do. Yep. Well, what's going on behind the scenes? Nehemiah, we see it. He's saying, you know what? I'm a servant. I, 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 I fall short, but I'm a servant. And oh, by the way, I'm a cupbearer to the king. And so I think what I want to do real quick, and I'm going to use these tables to help us try to visualize it. Maybe it'll help. I don't know. Is that we, we somehow, we get all our identities all kind of jumbled together, all up in a ball. And then we're just like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm just going to cut to the chase. That's what I do. So here's how things start off. We start off in, we're sinners. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're sinners. And, and scripture is clear. Like we are, we are born into sin. We are sinners. We are in need of a savior. We are sin- we, we have, we're selfish. We're, we're greedy. We don't care about anybody else, right? You know what I'm saying? When we're sinners, you guys, you guys just play the part. You know, and then like, it's just all about us. We strive. We try to do good when we feel like it, you know, but the days that we're lazy, we just kind of do whatever we want. And we cr- cause a lot of problems in our world. Yeah. We, we mess stuff up, relationships, we mess up all kinds of stuff. We're just, just a mess. Right. And so we, we find ourselves in this, in this state, and we, at some point, by God's grace, something happens where we have a revelation like, I kind of hate this. Is there a way out? Yeah. And we realize, yeah, there is. And so we say, you know what, I want, to, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to enter into covenant relationship with Jesus, and I want to give my life and surrender to him because I've been trying a lot over here, and it's not working out. I'm really just sabotaging myself. So I need to like put my life in his hands. And so and I, then I become a servant of God. I become, as John 1 says, a child of God. This is awesome. Because there's something supernatural that happens. I don't understand it. Like, does anybody want to explain that one? Like, no, like, I don't get it. Like, you get all this stuff. You, the riches of Christ become yours. You become an heir to the kingdom. You become part of the family of God. This is amazing stuff. This is a transformation that happens that nobody can explain. And then, we're the cup bearer to the king. Nurse. We're a nurse. And we think that this is what our identity is wrapped up in. What major am I going to major in? Oh, my gosh. What, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm 17. I need to make this choice. It has a 50-year implication. And we get all wrapped up in that. I need that promotion. I need that job. I need that, that status. I need, that, I need all that. And this is the thing that's going to be on my business card. Man, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have those little letters behind my name. It's going to be so perfect. I'm going to have. And Nehemiah was like, I was a cupbearer to the king. We, we get wrapped up in this so much that we forget, first and foremost, if we've made, uh, well, if we haven't made, we're a sinner. But then if we've made a choice for Christ and we are a servant of God, that's truly our eternal identity. This is going to go away. Believe me, I really wanted to, to, to draw for Disney. I really wanted to draw comic books. I really wanted to be an architect. I really wanted to, and here I am but I am a servant of God. And so God just injects all kinds of awesomeness into our life when that happens. And so we become called. We become, there's a mission that we are given when we become a servant. And here's the catch. Those of us who choose Christ and we have said, you know what, we believe. 
We are putting our faith in Jesus. What do we do? We sabotage our faith. And we say that we're disqualified from God using us because we sin. Because we fall short. Because we don't have it all together. And so while we are a servant of God, we are identifying as a sinner. And here's what you need to write down. Instead of thinking of ourselves as a sinner identity who needs to be saved, what if you were to take a Nea, make a Nehemiah move and you were to say, I am a servant of God who falls short at times. Here's the thing. We disqualify ourselves because of the shortcomings in our life. Well, God could never use me. I've put my life in his hands, but God could never use me. You have no idea the struggles I have and the things that I'm trying. And, and by God's grace, I, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. And we live out of this identity that we're a sinner when really we're a servant who has a struggle, who has, who has things that we, we work through. And, and it's not that this disqualifies, listen to me, this does not disqualify us from God's plan. What it does is it qualifies us for his plan. Because if you're perfect, you don't need a savior. The whole rescue operation of Jesus is designed around the fact that we need a savior. So this qualifies us to be, a, be used by God. That's why Nehemiah is like, listen, I am a servant of God. I have done so many wrong things. And I'm a mess. But let me tell you, I am a servant of God. Is anybody getting this? And then what happens? We get into this job. Oh, the cupbearer is a king. How could anybody ever use a cupbearer? Are you kidding me? You think Nehemiah had some dreams? You think he had some aspirations for his life? It sure wasn't to be like the next guy to die for the king. That was not on the list. I'm sure that he had family. I'm sure he does. We know his brother came to see him. We, 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 he has family. He has things going on. He has dreams. Then he gets booted out of Jerusalem. And he's exiled. You, want, you, you think that, you think that you're, you're expendable at work? You ever feel like that? You're like, you're replaceable? How about this? How about you're a cupbearer, the guy that tastes the poison for the king? You're replaceable. There's a reason why there was a foreign exiled dude that was tasting the wine of the king. Because there was a long line of them that he could just, oh, you know what, that guy just died? Thanks for catching that. Send another one in. This guy was this, there was no one applying for that job. No one. And what does God do? He leverages the position of a cupbearer to get Nehemiah before the king to go and find favor to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't know why I'm here. This is like the worst. Like it doesn't, it's a dead-end job. God will use you. What does he do with us here when we're a servant? Is he drops a passion, a mission in you that you alone are there. And you're saying, you know what? There is something wrong with the world in this area. And I got to do something about it. Well, the way Craig says it, he says, you know what? There's somebody ought to do something about this. It might as well be me. 
And we get this passion. And I'm going to tell you, I love this. We'll talk more about this in the Soul Workouts this week. That your passion isn't out there. Your mission isn't out there. Your passion is here. Your mission is here. The things that you have been passionate about all your life, the things that have happened to you, have prepared you for a moment for God to use you in your position as a servant of God to change the world. The question is, do we believe it? Do we really believe that God could use a cupbearer? We know that he did. Do we really believe that that could happen? Absolutely, he can. So the challenge this week, if you're not doing the soul workouts, this is the challenge. We're going to just, how do we remind ourselves daily? It's just this daily reminder that we get to get into God's word and to dig into this. Last week, you guys, man, those of you that have been following along on the daily devotion, we sat down. We, we probably tapped into our emotions a little bit. We mourned. We fasted. We prayed. We began to see what God, and God uses that. What happens here is God uses an ordinary cupbearer expendable to change the world. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are here that were valedictorian of your class. Very good, very good. I'm sure there's lots of them here today. Or maybe you were prom king or prom queen. Like you, you've got, maybe you just, you, you've got it all together today. Maybe you've got like the, the job, you've got the wife, you've got the, the family, you've got whatever it is that you've, been, you've aspired to and you've got it all together. Let me tell you something. Listen to me clearly. God can even use you. Because what he's in the real business of is using ordinary, average Joes to change the world. Sometimes that's the, it works for me, you know, my name. And I think what would happen, what would happen if we stopped disqualifying ourselves and saying, well, you know, God, no, it'll never work. It's never going to happen. But we started to live out of this. This is the work, is to live. Here, here, listen. To live out of this identity, that I am a servant of God. Like, living out of that. It's different than striving to be. It's different than trying harder. That's, that's different. It's living out of this identity. When I get up in the morning, I am a servant of God. How many of you say that? I am a servant of God. I have so much that's been bestowed upon me. I have purpose running through my veins. I have something that God has given me a mission to. And guess what? When you're over here at this table, you guys can be passionate about stuff. Yeah, yeah you guys can be passionate. And you're going to have half the story because you're going to be working hard. Was that a snort? <laughs> All right. You're going to be working hard and, and you're going to be doing it. But it's only half the story because when you get to be, you give your life to God, what he does is it's something supernatural. I can't explain it, but he gives you a kingdom view of what that passion that was over here could look like. And everything begins to make sense. And what would happen if we all did that? Here's what would happen. Our lives would change. Your life, my life would change because of living like that. Two, you know what would happen? Our families would change because now it's going to be different. When we go home, it's going to be different. It's going to be weird for a little bit, but then we're going to live out of that new identity and we're going to be able to see God do something awesome. Third, our, not only would we change, our families change, but our community, this church would change and our community would change. What would happen is that as we start to articulate the mission that God has given us and how discovering how God might leverage the, 
the name on our business card, the title on our business card, to do something great for him, we realize that we have this mission. When we all do that, we start to see how we can work together and actually make something great happen. You'll start to say, are you passionate about that too? That's awesome. So am I. Like, and we start to begin to see. You don't know how many people have said, you know what, I am so passionate about the arts. And this artwork up here inspires me that it's in a church. I was like, boom, there you go. That's a, that's a way for us to start to say, like, what is the mission? What is the passion? Before I gave my heart to God, I, I was passionate about things. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to do that. And it wasn't until I really surrendered to God that I realized, man, there's a passion inside me to see people move forward and to, to, to learn together about what it means to live for God. This is a passion. And, and you could say, well, Joe, you didn't get all the stuff that comes with may, maybe a title that you could have had as, as this guy or this guy or this guy. And I say, you know what? But I've got my kid up here singing to Jesus and leading us today. Dude, I won't trade that for nothing. I, I've got my wife next to me. We're doing ministry together. We're working together. This is a dream that we've had for a long time. We just never thought it would be a thing you're sitting there going, you know, I don't know if I can really give up what, here's all I want to do is say, you know what, God will leverage you where you're at. And it may be small right now, it may be nothing like you can, you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go change the entire world tomorrow. You might change the life of one person this week, but God will leverage where you're at. The band can come up. And as we go into these songs, this space, this space, is a welcome zone, all right? It's a space that you can come up and you can get closer to um, what the words on the screen, the, the state, whatever, and, and just begin to have a little bit more freedom. A lot of times what happens is we go to the back. A lot of you go to the back, and that's fine if that's your jam, but I would encourage you. One of the things we noticed last night when, and the reason why we kept it like this today is, um, the kids were, like Sarah had said, the kids were just dancing in this space without being told. You know, it was just, there's freedom. And so hopefully this space to you, it, it symbolizes freedom to you. They also said, Joe, then you can roam around a lot. And like, yeah. So I want you to just feel that freedom today. I want you to feel that freedom. And ask yourself, where are you in this transition? Where are you in this? It, what I've done is like this thing that's all jumbled up together. I've tried to separate it out for us to understand it. Are you here and you're, you, you're, you identify yourself as a sinner? You haven't made a choice for God. You haven't really said, I declare in my heart and with my mouth that Jesus, your Lord. You haven't done that yet. The first song we're singing is, is called Softly and Tenderly. It's a classic. And in that, the verses say, come home. And what Jesus is saying, what God's saying to you is, is to come home. It's as simple as just praying a, a prayer. It says, God, I need you. I'm a mess. I'm living in that middle part of Nehemiah's prayer. I'm a sinner. I've acted wickedly toward you, but I want to become a servant. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're a servant of God, but you've just really been caught up in identifying yourself just as a, as a, a mess and just not okay. I want you to remember today as we sing that he's telling you, come home too the striving and the earning and all that stuff. Allow God to just instill in you who you are. You're a servant of God. And maybe you've been caught up in your title and what's on your business card and you know what, what, what status you're going to get by that. I want you to know that Jesus is saying to you, come home as well. He's going to leverage this. 
This is temporary. Believe me, it's temporary. This can be temporary. This can be eternal. You look at Paul. Was he known as a tent maker? Or was he known as a criminal to start with against the, the early church? And then he wrote a big portion of the Bible. You look at the disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, all these guys, they identify themselves like, hey, I'm Matthew. You know, I said, I'm a disciple of Christ. So why don't we stand? Lord, take whatever all that was and just crystallize it into our hearts. Lord, in Nehemiah, Lord, as we see just some simple words come to us, it says, Lord, he knew and understand, understood that he was a servant, that he fell short, but he was a servant. And that, yes, he was a cupbearer as well. And you would leverage that. Lord, help us as we sing these songs. For some of us, Lord, to come home, to cry out to you in the next few minutes, Lord, I am a sinner. I do need a Savior. And so, Lord, I, I pray right now for those in the room that are doing that work, for those of us that are renewing our faith in you as a servant for you, Lord God. We pray that that would be a truth that we would live out of. And Lord, for those of us that are caught up in our titles and our, our jobs, Lord God, that you would show us your grace as you call us, Lord God, into something that's so much greater, so much more eternal, and so much more powerful as you use an ordinary group of people to do something amazing to change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. So God, we just soak that in for a second. Lord, when we were in the courtroom and we were found guilty and the sentence was about to be read, Jesus, you stepped in and said, I'm going to take the punishment for this one. Thank you, God, for finding us as lost as we were or as lost as we are. Lord, you find us and you step in and you say, I will take the punishment for this one. And that changes the trajectory of our life. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes our identity. I think the, the turning point for me is when uh, I, I admitted or I realized that I, I was guilty, guilty as charged. I had done the things, guilty as charged. But when I put my faith in Christ, I was guilty but I was not condemned. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you are experiencing that goodness and some of you need that to be true right now. And so Lord, as we, as we step away from this moment, what I would say is a hot spot of your presence and your working, Lord, I pray that those of us that have crossed over the line for the very first time, Lord, today, babies in the kingdom of God. Lord, we celebrate them right now. 
We thank you, God, for their, their willingness and their sensitivity to your spirit leading them to cross over line and say, I'm done with that life. I'm ready for the new. And Lord, supernaturally, you somehow make that happen. Lord, we declare, we take authority over the lies that keep us disqualified, that think that we can never be used. Lord, we break those in Jesus' name. And Lord, we declare freedom for those who thought that they were condemned when they walked in. But Lord, now there's freedom to know that they are saved and they are free and they are new creation in you today. Lord, as we go, may we be light in dark places. May we be a kind word. May we be a prayer to heaven when someone needs it most. Lord, help us to find what stirs us in our heart and would cause us individually to walk 50 miles. What is it, Lord God, that you have us to go on mission for? May we do that work this week. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Love you guys. We're just going to be hanging out up here. If you want to continue to pray, if you want prayer, if you want to, yeah, talk, whatever, we're here, we're available. You guys are awesome. Love you. We'll see you very soon.